Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. We have gone through the Big 12, looked at the games coming up this week, looked at the teams who remain red hot, and also those who are needing desperately to get a win. Oklahoma State at one point was kind of in that mode of needing a win. Well, now all of a sudden they're red hot. Ollie Gordon the second. We mentioned his unbelievable streak. Dave Hunsaker, voice of Oklahoma State, joins us on 365 Sports. Dave, is it Ollie Gordon the second? Is that what been the, uh, I guess you could say, the, the, the switch to turn this team on or what? Well, it's been collective. The offensive line is healthier and improved. They settled on a quarterback, Alan Bowman, which I think probably helped stabilize everything offensively. And they've been, despite a lot of injuries at receiver, they've held up. So so Ollie is definitely the guy, but there's been a lot of work done at other spots offensively to help allow him to have the success he's had. So he's been the leader, but there's been a lot of other people in supporting roles. Did... um... Did Mike Gundy kind of, I mean, he, he's never going to oversell or undersell anything, but he, he was he prepared for early season growing pains because they didn't know, knowing that if they got through it, that they, they would, might be pretty good? You know, I, I think it, it's, a, it's for everybody. It's a feeling out process, trying to figure out, you know, how you manage players in the portal. They had basically 12 new players that they brought in out of the portal. They lost 17, so it was a a little tricky. But I think it's just a feeling out process. You're trying to keep everybody happy. You've brought in a new quarterback. You had one left over, Garrett Rangel, who started four games last year that you really liked. You wanted to give him a chance. You know, Coach's son, uh, Gunner, had a really good preseason camp, so he felt like he needed to give him a chance. And then (laughs) – so, so you, there's definitely a feeling out process. And you had three running backs, too, for that matter. Two other running backs they really liked, Jaden Nixon and Elijah Collins, who came from Michigan State. So I think it took them time to sort things out, figure out who the right guys were to play. And then I think the biggest thing was to settle on offense, uh, you know, what they wanted to do rushing the football and go. And they went more to a power run game. What has impressed you about uh, the steady hand in Alan Bowman? Uh, he doesn't have, like, the crazy 500 yards and four touchdowns or anything like that, but he has a couple of scores. He protects the football for the most part. Um, just it, it seems to be a steady hand there. Uh, what, what have you thought about his, his play thus far? Oh, he's, de- he's older. He's mature. He doesn't try to take things that aren't available. He just sort of understands where he is and what he is and lives in that world. And, you know, he's already graduated from from college and so his I think he spends about all his time watching video when he's not at practice and again there's just a and and when you're running the ball like that there's so many offshoots off of it you know the tight end has been far more involved in the passing game at Oklahoma State than what it's been in recent years and they're using really a true tight end uh, in in the in the true sense uh, you know a lot more this year than they have in the past the running backs are involved more in the passing game than they've been in the past 
So again, there's sort of a collective thing going on here. You know, when you run the ball, teams like Cincinnati try to overplay the run, then you should be able to throw it. And, you know, they've been able to take, again, they're only averaging about 10 and a half yards per catch, which is one of the lowest in college football, but it really hasn't mattered. And so they do their best not to turn it over. Don't force things. They'll take a few shots down the field, but not a lot. But the home run plays have come from Ollie Gordon rushing the ball. I saw this quote from Casey Dunn, the offensive coordinator. I, I, I kind of joke, but it's like trying to tackle a giraffe. He's got a long guy. Uh, his limbs are everywhere. He's still very powerful. Uh, if you stand behind him in practice, there's freaking muscles everywhere. I hate saying awkward, but he's got an awkwardness that is a positive. Is that kind of what you see too, Dave? Yeah, I would. And, you know, he's very diligent in terms of how, you know, how he goes about his business. And, you know, there's been a lot of – there's a great camaraderie across the board offensively. Uh, I think there's been a lot of a lot of things in sync with the offensive line. It, it's just sort of progressed. But, yeah, it's – and downhill is the way to go now. That's, there's no doubt. That's, that's, that's the world in which they really live is, is going downhill. And, you know, when they run the ball, it's between the guards. Dave, how much uh... – malaise is there i don't know malaise is not the right word or it's a a bummer that this is the last bedlam we may see for the foreseeable future well it's there is some for sure and i think the the bigger emotion is wanting to win because this is the last one for the foreseeable future could be a bowl game or something to get snuck into the equation at some point down the line i think that's the biggest thing here is a desire to win this one because it's the last one for who knows how long We've had two years to get ready for this. We've known this day was coming, so I, I don't know that there's, yeah, I don't know that there's any sadness necessarily. There's probably going to be some, but I think that time has probably come and gone. Now it's more of just a hunger to win this game to to make sure you've got the last win uh, in in the series before it goes into the dark for quite a while. Dave, just how much uh, excitement do you already feel for it? I mean, the only way this could be setting up better is if, you know, both teams were undefeated. But, I mean, they're both right there in the thick of the Big 12 title race. I know Oklahoma's coming off of the loss, but there's some jockeying to be done, plus bragging rights for, as you both mentioned, the foreseeable future. Do you already feel that sense of buzz around the state uh, here on a Monday for what's coming up on Saturday? Well, it's a lot better than it would have been a month ago when Oklahoma State was stumbling. I mean, it's... Now the game does have conference championship game implications. It, it does have, on a limited basis, some national uh, ramifications. That was not going to be the case a month ago. So it, it's in a much different position than what it was. Is it as prominent nationally as it's been in most other years? No, because you've had a lot of these games in the recent history, especially you go back to 2016, 2017, 2015, and, and a bunch of years in there where both teams were ranked in the top 10, 2021, I believe, top 10 for both teams, sometimes even higher. And there was a lot on the line, both bragging rights-wise and Big 12 race-wise, and then a third piece of it, the national uh, part of it. So it's not quite at that level in terms of that, but it's a lot more that way than it was going to be a month ago. We, earlier we asked about Mike Gundy, and uh, did he almost like – slow play this team uh, the nil the transfer portal we know he's not a big fan of it but he he just kind of kept doing what he does how much has he discussed that of late or is once he's in the season it's all about just the season 
No, he knows. I mean, he he recognizes they're feeling their way along in this portal, and and they're you know he's realized that it's just part of life now, and you have to adapt it and have to figure out how you're going to use it and make it work and how to build a team with it. So he's a lot more amenable to it than he was, that's for sure. But I think he also is is just like a lot of other coaches learning on the fly about hey, how do you manage a team like this? You know, one thing he has talked a lot about is that. They got back from Iowa State, and he said, guys, we don't have any energy. We don't have any juice. And he kind of looked around the locker room before the game. Everybody's on their phone kind of doing their own thing. And they got some of the guys together and said, hey, what do you want? We, we, need, to, we need to completely crank up the atmosphere in the locker room and get everybody together and get everybody on the same page and get everybody going. And that's played some role in this. I mean, that just the entire atmosphere – on game day around the locker room, sort of the mood of the team has changed. It's not that it was bad. It was just, I think, part of what happens when you have a lot of new players blending with a team that has a lot of young players in prominent roles. And so you have guys who don't know each other. And so they've, they've really expedited that process. And I think it's mattered a lot. Dave Unsicker, voice of Oklahoma State, with us on 365 Sports. They had the seven-point win after the disaster. The, not disaster. Iowa State's pretty good. Losing to Iowa State. Seven-point win against Kansas. How much the way they bounce back to get wins like that? Because in the Big 12, we see teams that go 9-3 one year and then 4-8 and eight the next because they don't get the close wins. How critical were those? Oh, they were huge. You know, the Kansas State game, your season's on the line. You, you know, you lost back-to-back games. South Alabama and Iowa State had not looked great doing it, although there were some signs of progress at Iowa State. You know, and K-State was, you know, still sort of a darling at that time because they won the Big 12 last year. They demolished Oklahoma State in Manhattan 48 nothing uh, last season. So there was part of that that was motivating Oklahoma State. But in, in K-State, still a darling. But but they kind of, they, they it was a big, big win to, to kind of knock them off because that, that didn't look like a good matchup on paper, but it turned out that it was better than they thought. And then you play a Kansas team that was really hot coming in and it rushed the football at will on most of the teams they'd played. And they, you know, and Kansas had a really, really hard time rushing the football against Oklahoma State. I don't think they got to 100 yards, if my memory serves me correctly. So, so those were, you know, you, you not only were winning games, but you were doing so in a way that, it was easy to see the progress you'd made. It wasn't smoke and mirrors. You could see tangible progress being made. And that, I, I think that fueled them as much as anything. You know, um, Mike Gundy kind of gets compared a little bit to, and I may have been guilty of doing this, but like Dabo Sweeney and that coaches who liked it better the old way. Dabo Sweeney hasn't adapted to the new way yet. Mike uh, seems to have done that though. I mean, maybe begrudgingly at first, but um, you know, he's, he's, going to be a dude who's set in his ways but how much does it speak that he was able to go all right look the transfer portal's here i could not like it as much as i don't like it but i've got to go shop at that store because everyone else around me is you know i think there's some of that for sure i think he mike doesn't get nearly enough credit for being willing to change you know in in, you know may not been with a portal but look what they did in the offseason they completely overhauled their run game now, they were still doing some of the old stuff early, but now it's gap scheme, it's power run game, it's worked because they felt like they needed to do that against the three-man front. Defensively, they overhauled that. They went away from a four-man front. They went to a 
an Iowa State style, if you will, three-man front defense, uh, you know, with a man in the middle uh, in the secondary and, and, and playing that way. It felt like they needed to adapt. Another thing they adapted is they spent a ton of time and continue to spend a ton of time working on defending fourth downs. And as a result, they've had big stop after big stop in terms of fourth down defense. They had big stops against K-State. They had big stops against Kansas. Opponents are three of 16 on fourth down against Oklahoma State. It's really sexy right now for everybody to act like they're a riverboat gambler and go for fourth downs. If you do that against Oklahoma State, they're probably one of the few teams that's practiced it because he talked about how defensive players aren't used to defending the chains. Well, they do it here, and the teams that have tried it have found out uh, there's a plan for this here in terms of defending fourth downs. So that's another thing he's innovated. He doesn't get enough credit because he doesn't usually brag about himself. He just does his thing. But, you know, you've had some major changes on offense and defense. You've taken, you've embraced a whole new philosophy with fourth down on defense, and it's, and it's all working. So, you know, that, that he gets a lot of publicity when he sort of goes against the flow, but I don't think he gets enough credit, not even close, for the things that he's willing to change and make drastic changes when he sees the need. And he's always done that, and this year there's been a ton of that. Dave, when it comes to this matchup with Oklahoma, uh, what stands out to you as far as maybe some questions you have still about Oklahoma State or things that you could look at as perhaps, um, I don't know, weaknesses is the right word, but but how do you sort of view this matchup from the Oklahoma State point of view of what they need to, to get done and, and maybe what they're, I guess, maybe a little bit worried about? I, mean, I think Oklahoma will do what Cincinnati did, and they're going to dare you to throw it. And your receivers are going to have to win. Oklahoma State, though, is really depleted at receiver right now. So that's a concern. Leon Johnson is a Division three transfer that played in a prominent role for the first time Saturday night against uh, Cincinnati, and he had a huge game. They wanted to redshirt him because they wanted him to have another year of uh, in the weight room and just more years to refine his skills, but now they're forced into playing him. So he'll have to be good. So you'll need to be able to win – at wide receiver so that Oklahoma can't overplay the run. Otherwise, you'll be dealing with an extra guy in the box, and that'll make things a little trickier. You know, defensively, when Oklahoma State has struggled, they've given up big plays in the passing game. I think they're facing by far the most explosive team throwing it uh, that they've seen up to this point. So the secondary will have to hold up. And uh, you've got a lot of young guys back there. So that's going to be the key. I think you need to be able to make sure you can throw it enough to force Oklahoma to respect the pass, and then defensively you can't give up the home run pass plays, which has been a and that's been a problem all year. Dave, it's a heck of a run, man. The Big Twelve, uh, there is nobody left that's undefeated after Texas was beat or after Texas lost to OU, and of course then Oklahoma loses to Kansas. It's chaos. Don't I, I know Oklahoma State's right in the middle of that, but is it kind of for you to look at it? Well, this is the way it's supposed to be with almost elimination well, games coming up the next two or three weeks. It's, it's what can happen when everybody doesn't play each other mm-hmm. no, that's because right. you, yeah. don't, you don't have things getting settled on the field and you don't look at the schedule down the line and say, well, that will take care of itself mm-hmm. because those two haven't played each other. Now, because you don't have the round-robin schedule, you look at it and say, well, I don't know how that's going to get settled because they don't play each other. <laughs> so yeah. that's one of the things that makes it even muddier is you know, now you can have a couple of teams that catch a weaker schedule, and Oklahoma State's one of them. I mean, their conference schedule is probably 
you know, it's, it's at the beginning of the season, we thought it was a really weak conference schedule. It turned out to be stronger than we would have thought. But, you know, if you happen to catch a weak schedule and avoid some of the big boys, then you could be in a position where, you know, you're right there tied with, you know, that other team that you've not played and won't play. So that makes sorting this out a lot trickier. And I think that's why we're so congested is that you don't have teams playing each other and beating each other and kind of setting up a natural pecking order when, when you don't play each other, that doesn't happen. Dave, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Have fun. I know you will. Bedlam Saturday, Oklahoma State and OU. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.